Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to another episode of Within the Lines, the podcast where two best friends use their patent penny movie ranking scale to determine the true quality of a film. Today is Thursday, November 9th, 2023. And today we are answering the question of if the latest Hulu exclusive movie is worth watching, Quiz Lady. Ty, you're joining me digitally this week. Uh, I miss seeing your beautiful face. How you doing? I'm doing all right. It's very early in the morning. This is the earliest I think we've ever recorded a podcast. <laughs> yes, we're not recording at our normal time. We are not together. But here, we we, we power through, and uh, it's going to be a good mm-hmm. podcast nonetheless. I'm excited to talk Quiz Lady, Ty. This is a Hulu-exclusive movie starring Aquafina. It's got our boy Will Ferrell in it. Um it's another example of what probably would have been a straight-to-DVD movie if it was made 15 years ago, but instead we get it on Hulu and we could watch it from the comfort of our own homes. You used to be able to watch straight-to-DVD films also from the comfort of your own homes. So I just want to point that out. Well, you'd have to go to Walmart. You'd have to dig through the, the DVD bin. You know, you'd have to find it, and you'd have to take it home. So this is a little bit different. You couldn't just fire it up. That's fair. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, but yeah, this is a, this is a film that actually... Got some buzz. Uh, it debuted in the in the Toronto International Film Festival uh, two months ago, I believe. Now, just now, got released on Hulu last week. If you haven't listened to it or haven't watched it, of course, go watch it. Then listen to the pod. If not, you could just listen to us talk. But produced by Will Ferrell, our favorite actor of all time, I think it's safe to say. And uh, we always love a good comedy tie, so I'm excited to talk about the film. That should be fun. Let's get in the show. Sixty percent of the time, it works every time. Don Samos. What? We just become best friends. Yep. I don't feel so good. Hulk! Smash! I'm not fucking leaving! The show goes on! A woman who has been obsessed with a game show her entire life reunites with her older sister and gets a chance to finally go on the show and win money to save her dog. Quiz Lady, 2023 Hulu comedy. Ty, we're game <laughs> show people, um, and I only say that because we went to uh, an episode of The Price is Right together. Uh, yeah, with our, seen it in person. Our beautiful significant others and other friends. It wasn't just us four, right? No. Brandon no. was there, maybe? Yeah, that sounds right. Um, I don't remember all who was there, but we went to The Price is Right. We lived a childhood dream. We didn't get to go on the show, but the guy sitting behind us who was in line behind us the whole time uh, during the audition mm-hmm. and everything, he went on the show, won a car, was very sweaty. They had to wipe his sweat away every time the camera panned away. Uh, he told Victoria he would <laughs> shout her out because she let him borrow her pen to write his whatever he had to write in line. Um, forgot to mm-hmm. shout her out, which kind of a jerk move, but at the same time, the lights were shining bright on his face. He didn't know what to do. He was freaking out. He was getting his sweat wiped away. And uh, the whole episode. Wouldn't have been there without Victoria. That's true. Wouldn't have been there without Victoria. 100%. He's probably still driving that car if he could afford the taxes to actually win it. But um, I will say that episode, I don't know if you know this, Ty. I don't know if you tried watching it. Almost the whole episode got freaking uh, scrapped. Not scrapped, but when it was airing on CBS, 
the current president of the United States at the time, Donald Trump, was doing a press conference about something, who knows what, and uh, that just overrode the prices right. So they got the beginning. I think his name was Mike or John. I don't remember his name. Uh, they got the beginning of him like playing the game, and then that was it. Like they didn't show anything else because it got got scrapped. So pretty upset about that. No one even got to see him win the car. I don't remember. I do remember because I was so excited. I circled the date when we went to the prices right, and I circled the date it was going to air. And then I remember watching it, and then the the thing happened, and then I remember searching on Twitter like prices right, and then whatever his name was, and there was like this old lady who tweeted like oh i love him like cut back to the price is right and like one person put like yeah go john or whatever his <laughs> name was and uh so I, I don't remember if people got to saw i'm sure you could probably find the episode somewhere on the internet uh maybe i'll have to write the price is right people and see uh see if they can help us out do you think the price is right airs in canada mm, i don't know no idea because i feel like canada wouldn't care what what mr trump was saying at the time yeah, that's that's probably fair. So. Um, and they would have stuck with, yeah, they would have stuck with the prices right, and John would have got his moment just in a different country. Yeah, that's fair. I bet you if you actually wrote someone at the the production studio, they could probably find the episode and send it to you somehow. But then I'd have to remember what day it was, or I'd have to have some way to remember, and I just don't freaking remember. But Quiz Lady, I do remember this because I watched it last night, Ty. I was very intrigued heading into this movie just because, like I said, it did get some uh, international film love at the Toronto International Film Festival. Uh, it's got our boy Will Ferrell attached as both an actor and a producer. He's been doing a lot more producing at this stage in his career, uh, executive producer on Booksmart, you know, just to, to name one of them. But Aquafina is kind of someone who is growing on the scene. I think she's already arrived. I shouldn't say she's growing, but she's established herself as a a comedic female force in the film industry. And this was a role that was a little bit different from her. And I knew that just watching the, uh, the previews and the trailers and whatnot, and we didn't get the typical Aquafina performance. So I was excited to see how that shook out. What was your thoughts heading into the film before you watched it? Um, kind of similar. I, I, I thought it was weird that Sandra O oh, who, I mean, she's by far the most famous for Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. was kind of playing the Aquafina role in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And then Aquafina was this own different, unique thing that she really hasn't done before. Yeah. And also Will Ferrell, just very, very, um, I feel like this was his audition to play. What's, what's the one guy that, that Tom Hanks played the old man sweater vest. Oh, Mr. Rogers. Yeah. I feel like this was Will Ferrell. Like maybe I could play Mr. Rogers and something. Cause he's just like the nicest human being ever in this movie and very different from anything he's ever done too so <laughs> yeah. um it was kind of i don't know the movie didn't i wasn't that excited for it i kind of shit on it a little bit last week like yeah we're watching this but pleasantly surprised i'll say with it yeah i i feel like i don't know a lot of these hulu movies I just think of Palm Springs. I think Palm Springs just elevates all of them because that's the first one I think of because it kind of <laughs> was the first, at least, that we did on the podcast. But they always seem to be dis- decent. Like, Vacation Friends 2 was terrible, but the first one was decent. And I-, I just like a fun, easy watch sometimes. You know, there's some Netflix. I remember there was this Netflix original movie, like, two, three years ago. I believe it was three years ago. It was during 2020. And it had, um, gosh, my I'm I'm blanking. The actor we both really like that's in The Eternals. Um Whatever, Ooh, whatever his name Selma is. Selma Hayek. No. Love her. 
No, the Indian guy. What is his name? Why am I blanking right now? Um, I can't fucking think of it either. It's early. Anyways, I remember they did one on Netflix. It was like a rom-com detective movie. Um, and it was dumb in premise, and it was forgettable. But it was it was just a fun watch. And sometimes these movies, all they are are fun watches. And sometimes that's all you need. Kumail you know? Nanjani. Thank you, Kumail Nanjani. And, you know, mm-hmm. this is a movie that would never do well, you know, in the box office, I don't think, and it would get buried and be considered a failure. So I'm glad to see that movies like this still have an outlet um, just to get in front of our eyeballs and get on our screens because, like I said, at the end of the day, it's not going to break any boundaries or reinvent the wheel, but it, they're fun watches for the most part. Is this one a fun watch? I don't know. That's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. I think these movies are kind of just like a, just like a good soup on a cold day. Like nothing mm. crazy. Mm. Nothing, nothing extravagant going on, but it's just like nice and enjoyable. Sit down, watch, have a good time. Fair, fair. That reminds me, I went to uh, Olive Garden last night and uh, took fifty minutes to get my entree. Can you believe that? Fifty minutes to get your entree? Yeah, fifty minutes. Unbelievable, right? Well, mm. well you said it was Olive Garden. Yeah. They were probably like, "Oh, that that guy over there. Don't worry about him. We don't gotta get him this food. He's family." <laughs> uh, i left a review that was uh not the best i'll be honest but um let's jump into the scale tie let's jump straight <laughs> into it i'm excited to talk about this film with you uh this week might be a little bit of a shorter episode compared to normal weeks next week's gonna be a long one with the marvels which i'm actually seeing tonight um and then loki episode six and how that might tie into the marvels so there might be plenty of mcu to talk about hopefully good things and not uh bad things i'm totally burying your your end of the podcast when you tell everyone what we're talking about next week but oh well plot slash story tie quiz lady look a movie like this isn't trying to win a screenwriting oscar it's not trying to reinvent the wheel like i said i mean there's so many movies are out and it's like it's like that question i don't know if you've ever seen this i think vsauce did it it's like how long will we go until we run out of music like different musical notes and different tempos and patterns and everything like I feel like we might have already reached that point with movies where like 90% of movies are just kind of the same. Um, and you, you have the same arc. And I, I know there's the one I think you've mentioned on the podcast. There's the one thought experiment. I don't know if it's a YouTube video or what, but that there's only like 15 different plots in a movie that you can have or whatever. And every movie falls into one of those yeah. X number. And, you know, that definitely falls into that. I don't think this this plot is reinventing anything. I don't think it's anything groundbreaking. It's not something I'm going to particularly remember. All that being said, I thought it was like a fun, at least different take on the traditional coming of age, sister relationship, uh, generational trauma, because that's the, the trend of the last five, 10 years, you know, in movies. I thought it was a fun twist. And I thought there were some things in this movie that were a little bit ridiculous, but it was almost making fun of the tropes. And I, I, I think we've seen that a lot of movies recently where they they make fun of the tropes instead of to- totally leaning into them. Like the, the gangster guy who steals the dog, like th- he's trying to keep him alive yeah. or keep him from wanting to go back to Aquafina. He's not killing him. He's, you know, making him love it there too much. And like a totally ridiculous character and a totally ridiculous plot line, but like making fun of itself a little bit and a little, uh, you know, self self-aware. And I also thought there was obviously the, the jeopardy influences in this, uh, this is, a ripoff of Jeopardy, you know, Will Ferrell's playing a ripoff, uh, uh, Trebek. And, uh, I think the, uh, 
the the villain in this Jason Schwartzman is supposed to be like Jeopardy James um, from when he took you know Jeopardy by yeah. storm and won two straight months and was all <laughs> brash and everything. So I don't think it reinvents the wheel. That being said, like I thought it was a fun story while predictable at times. It was different. It was unique in its own right. And I'm gonna give it a little bit of credit for that. I gave it a 13 out of 20. Ty. Yeah, I mean you you hit everything that I had to say. I'm also at a 13 out of 20. Um, I, I like that it was aware of what it was trying to be. And while there was some, you know, like you said, kind of sweet moments of the, the sisters coming together and shit, very funny, played on some of the jokes, didn't take itself too seriously. Um, it, it works. Like, yeah, we've seen this before and it's not crazy, you know, something we've never seen in this original story that blows us away. But it's a fun watch. It does things different to allow itself to stand out enough from the pack that um, it's enjoyable, man. It, 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 it works for me. I, I was interested the entire time. It's a short movie. Yeah. This was the right. Yeah. An hour 39 runtime. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think that they have like a couple of different little bits, like the Ben Franklin thing and going <laughs> to that. And like the one that, are just giving him a bunch of shit for uh using like the phones and everything yeah that's funny to me and like i like i like the different stuff that they did where they're just having fun um with these two sisters and then look it's not title cards but i love a fake recap at the end of a movie <laughs> the where are they now kind of deal i, I just the, the yes and it, it's it's all none of it's real but i love that as much as title cards and i'm giving that credit here because that was the writer's choice yeah and i think the character arc of i mean this kind of goes into characters too so i don't want to talk about it too much but i mean it is part of the story but um predictable but aquafina's kind of uh coming of age and uh conquering her fears and you know her anxiety and stuff and they, they have callbacks like to to her past and, and the shitting in the hole and then her sister you know you find out knew that she shit in that hole and then actually uh <laughs> saved her again another ridiculous self-aware like, reveal yeah we're gonna we're gonna do this like heartwarming story about someone shitting in a hole just another self-aware you know comedic choice that i'm sure will ferrell had yeah. had plenty of um and say on but i, I thought it made sense because there's parts of this movie where it's like you have like the mom who runs away and then that ends up like not mattering at all and then you have like the dad and you're kind of like wondering like where's the dad and all this and you find out he drowned on a cruise because he was trying to do the titanic thing like again self-aware but the callbacks they did have to it. The, I, I actually thought the the scene where you know it opens with her being younger and watching the show, and it's like when her parents get in a big fight, and probably the last fight, last memory she has of them together. I'm assuming is what that moment was, and then you have her going to the show later, mm -hmm. and she remembers that just because she sees the bow tie, um, you know, and the significance of that, and then you find out that Will Ferrell's character had the significance of every bow tie, and he remembers people, and I, I thought like. Some of it seemed ridiculous with the mom and the dad and then them staying in Burbank with their uncles and the shitting in the hole and everything. But it actually all tied together at the end in a way that was like made sense. I don't know. I, I, it just there was filler in this, but the filler still attributed to the final story they were trying to tell. And that could be hard to do in a dumb movie like this. Like go look at Vacation Friends 2 where my biggest gripe was like the whole story was him trying to get this hotel made, you know, with his construction company. And then you go on like an hour and a half tangent that has like nothing to do with this with freaking 
the old dude whose name I can't remember right now. And then at the very end, it's like, oh, yeah, the hotel construction. Oh, let me get this job real quick. Like, mm-hmm. I thought this did a very uh, – a much better job. The entire of, movie's filler. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought this did a much better job of tying everything together and not being, like, at the end, like, oh, yeah, remember her dog? That was kind of the point of this. <laughs> yeah, and I do think that these type of movies, you have a little bit more leeway with that that quote-unquote filler. Yeah. Because, like, it's supposed to be a comedy movie. It's supposed to be, you know, just something that keeps it flowing, keeps it entertaining throughout. But I do think that this did it in such a way to where it, it the filler wasn't just there for, for, you know, like a family guy fucking cutaway type thing. Yeah. Like, it was, there was cutaways, but they also circled back into that main plot, um, which really worked. And, and, I mean, even, again, as ridiculous as it is, shitting in a hole, ended up being an emotional thing at the end. <laughs> that's fucking impressive that works great <laughs> speaking of shitting in a whole tie i guess we'll jump over to uh key elements because that was a, a comedic element of the movie what did you think of the key elements in this yeah i thought the movie was very funny um i i laughed throughout i victoria got sad um she watched it she had a good time with it but she also got sad at a few points where, mm-hmm. where the older sister was the hero yeah um and they came together I thought this movie was really easy to watch. I thought it was a lot of fun. It kept my interest. And I, I liked the kind of story and her conquering her fear type thing with it. I'm at a 16 out of 20. I, I think they did this pretty fucking well. Yeah. I Upon the first watch when I was watching it live, at least maybe the first third of the movie, 30 minutes or so, I remember think literally thinking, like, I don't feel like I've laughed a lot. Like, I feel like I've chuckled, but I don't feel like I've – <laughs> laughed a lot and then those laughs did pick up as the movie went along but it still wasn't something like you know a will ferrell banger where i'm just laughing as hard as i can at every joke but upon letting it simmer and sit a little bit and and talking to you just in the 20 minutes or so we've been talking you, you think like some of just the the meta jokes i guess and i'm not even meta but like you could see the comedic uh, intent in some of the decisions they made again like we mentioned the shitting in the hole is supposed to be this this emotional story for them and it's kind of taking the piss out of the whole joke you know like that's what the story is about and that's that is the joke you know what i mean and then stupid things like the old lady thinking that the peewee herman actor was someone else and like just that stupid ridiculous subplot (laughs) and like the dry humor and like just some of the jokes are like deeper than just surface level you know funny quips or you know slapstick comedy and when you really think about it it's like oh yeah this is this is pretty funny, and I, I like the decisions they made here. I gave it a 15. I, I don't I don't think I'm going to be quoting this movie. It's not Anchorman. It's not Talladega Nights. It's nothing like that. But you could see the artistic intent behind it and the comedic intent. And I think that's what happens when you get you know a lot of really good people who know how to be funny in a room together and producing and starring in this. You know, So uh, like I said, Will Ferrell produced uh, – Jessica Yu, I believe she has done some other comedies, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. I thought the the, com- the comedy in this was good. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. It's not like blow your socks off fucking funny throughout. but And I think it does start a little slow because you get that Aquafina's living like this boring fucking office life. And then it kind of ramps up and you get a little bit more as the movie progresses. But like you said, the the overall ideas of the jokes are just as funny as the actual jokes themselves sometimes um, in this. So it's it's a different type of comedy. It's not something that, like, the, the deeper kind of jokes 
I can see from Will Ferrell, but he's usually real in your face with his jokes and his yeah. movies. So um, I, it's, I don't know. This worked really well for me. I liked this. Yeah. And it's, it's not all the way. Cause you get like the really, really the movies where it's, it's really deep cut the, the honk for Jesus. And those, those are polarizing. Like, Either you really like him or you really don't. You have uh, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, which we disagreed on a lot. I didn't give it an amazing uh, score, but I really liked the deeper, uh, you know, commentary and comedy they were talking about and, you know, the religious tropes and all that. And there was another movie we watched recently I feel like you liked that I didn't like as much for that same reason. And it's it's not quite all the way there with this. It's not like like that where you have to fully stay engaged and fully understand exactly what the joke they're trying to tell. It's just a little bit more of like, you know, you could tell the filmmakers while, while writing this were like, Hey, wouldn't it just be funny if this big emotional payoff is her shitting in a hole or this or that? Like it's, you could tell they were having fun with it, with some of the, the comedic themes. And I think that that bleeds through whether audiences realize it or not, not trying to say we're smarter than the average audience, but I do think sometimes people <laughs> don't realize that. Yeah, no, I think, like, the honk for Jesus shit, like, that's all deep, you know, you've got to be aware of, like, the social, not the social, but, like, the religious commentary they're making on it. Yeah. Whereas this one, it's like, there is a face value joke. A girl being embarrassed and shitting in a hole is funny on its own. But then there's layers to it of that being the emotional part of the fucking movie where her sister, like, covered for her. So I think that it's the fact that the jokes are, they're chuckle to funny worthy on their own, plus a little bit more to go with it. Yeah, I think the movie I was thinking of that you were higher on than me was Triangle of Sadness. I don't think you were still very high in that movie, but I do remember you saying some of the social commentary hit a little bit better, whereas me, I was just like, what the hell is going on in this movie? Um, God, one of the worst Best Picture right. nominations I've ever seen in my life. Visual cinematography. Um, it's a Hulu original with a $23.8 million budget. They're not trying to do anything amazing. Uh, they turned the cameras on. They got everyone in frame, and then they pressed record. Um, that being said, there was nothing that looked terrible. Like I'm not saying like they it was there was no intention there to their shots, but I, I didn't necessarily notice anything worth uh, a really high score. I will say there was like some artistic intent in this. Uh, you know, I, I still think there was a little bit of personality behind the camera, if that makes sense, but. I mean, the, the lady who directed this, uh, I just said her name earlier, Jessica Yu. She's done a lot of, I'm looking at, I was looking at her filmography right now. She's done a lot of like TV shows, a lot of soap operas and like kind of serious shows. And I think in those, you don't really have to do much with like the camera. You're not really directing like the visuals and the cinematography aspect. You're more directing performances and everything. And I think that is kind of what happened here. That being said, I still think there was a little bit of personality behind it. I don't think nothing stood out in a bad reason for me. So I gave it one point over just, you know, smack dab, dab average. I gave it an 11 out of 20, Ty. Yeah, I think I was um, – I mean, I'm right there. I'm, I'm at a 12. I'm one point higher. Mm -hmm. I think I'm giving it credit because I like how bland her fucking house felt and her office job and, like, how yeah. they very intentionally just grade up everything. And then you get with the sister, and the sister's this colorful fucking character who – is wearing all these different outfits and everything. And then you go to the game show and it's all these bright lights and everything. Plus I enjoyed the, um, the drug trip when she was auditioning. Yes. I love me a good drug tripping scene yeah. in a movie. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't think it was anything crazy, but I do think there was subtle little, you know, in order to make it her life feel more mundane and her job, like they intentionally kind of 
made those as bland as possible to emphasize how different and how she was getting outside of her comfort zone um, with everything else on screen. So I liked that. Yeah, that's but fair. Still 12. They didn't, they didn't blow me away. That's fair. And that's definitely something that had intent. That was that was the producer sitting there and saying, let's make this set. You know, it's a Jeopardy ripoff, but Jeopardy's blue. It's even kind of bland itself a little bit. This show was very 70s, very orange and purpley and flowery. And same thing with the sister, like you yeah. mentioned. And that's a good point, though, that Aquafina's character and kind of everything she did was very just uh, basic gray, vanilla, bland. Um, and I, I, I'm glad you mentioned the drug tripping scene because I was going to mention that and then I forgot about it. Yeah, that was probably my favorite part of the movie. Uh, that's where all the, the visual effects budget went there, I think, uh, the little bit of it it had. Oh, yeah. And I thought it looked it, it looked good. I, I thought the one scene of her tripping on half of the screen and then you have, like, reality on the other half. Like, again, you're not breaking any boundaries with doing stuff like this, but I do think that was a, a creative choice that worked, and I thought it was funny. Like, it, it helped with the comedy. So um reminds me of another Will Ferrell movie that just came out, Strays, that also had a tripping scene where the dogs uh, killed those bunny rabbits. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I like a good drug scene. I don't know. It's just it's a good time to watch on screen. I think uh, I think they probably made the set for the game show, and they set aside like X amount of money for that. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, guys, we're on like a studio lot. This cost us nothing. We had everything ready to go. We have so much money left over. What do we do? And then they threw it into the uh, the visual budget for the drug tripping scene. Yeah, there you go. I was looking at Will Ferrell's uh, filmography real quick. I was trying to see something, but. I can't find it on his Wikipedia, and I just love how a little bit of a tangent. He has a subsection on his Wikipedia for baseball for that time that he did the the spring training stuff. So that's that's great for him. Fuck yeah, love that. Uh, what Car- were you trying to find on there? I was trying to see just his producing stuff and what else he's produced recently and in the future, but it's neither here nor there. Characters tie. This was a different Aquafina performance, and Aquafina is someone who we have been critical. I I think. Being critical of someone and criticizing someone, I think, is different. At least in my brain, it is. We have said that Aquafina's a good actress and she's funny, but we have rightfully pointed out that, like someone we love, like John Cena, for example, is getting typecast and plays the same character in every movie, and uh, that we wanted to see her do something a little bit different. Not saying she hasn't. I know she was in, I believe, The Help, and that's like a, a world renowned movie, but we wanted to see on the podcast, something different. And this was something different. She, she didn't play her, her traditional, you know, comedic sidekick role. Like you mentioned, the sister was the Aquafina role and it was, uh, the farewell is the, the movie I was thinking of. I think I said the goodbye. Um, you know, the, the help. Oh, the help. My apologies. Um, you know, so she's, she's not playing her traditional role in this. It's very different. She's very mundane and, vanilla and she deals with anxiety and all this stuff and it's it's it was a nice change up and like you mentioned with will ferrell too is a nice change up for what he's trying to do um sandra oh you know she's known for like you said i think Grey's anatomy if i'm not mistaken and kind of a change up from her performance on that show and it's just like they got a lot of people to play weird roles or different roles jason schwartzman the the bad guy in the 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 quiz show he is like known for being in almost every Wes Anderson movie. Not almost every, but a lot of Wes Anderson films. He's kind of a Wes Anderson guy, serious filmography. You knew him from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which is different. That's also comedic. But recently he's been doing a lot more serious stuff. And then you get him in this overly ridiculous role that is, is just ridiculous. And then you get um, 
the the Ben ha- or Tony Hale playing Benjamin Franklin for like no reason other to be like, hey, we like Tony Hale, let's have him play a ridiculous role. <laughs> I, I I I liked it. I, I liked how different it was. It kept you on your toes, and it wasn't. That's what made this movie, I think, different than any cut and paste Netflix movie. Is if Aquafina is the sister in this, and you have a different main, and Aquafina is just going through the Aquafina motions, and the sister is played by someone else, like. Is it still funny? Yes, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say Aquafina's not funny, but I just don't think it it has the same effect on me personally. And I also thought the depth of the characters, I, I liked the story they told. I don't think it was overly emotional, but I thought it, it made sense, and the story arc made sense, although it was traditional. You know, they, they're happy, then they break up, then they come back, whatever. That happens in every movie. A lot of complimenting for this for something I still only gave a 13 out of 20. What did you think, Ty? <laughs> I thought we were going to break out of a shell here. I thought you were finally going to give some credit to a nice little ensemble cast with good performances. And it's still just very much in that center range. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am who I am. It's okay. I forgive you, Jay. Um, I, I agree with most of what you said. I I like that it was Aquafina trying something different and not just trying it, but doing it well in a believable way. Like, it didn't feel like this crazy person trying to play, like, this straight-laced kind of character. Like, John it just Cena felt has. like that character. It didn't feel like John what? Cena in Fast 9 when he played the serious brother? Yeah, that made no fucking sense. And then he just switches to play John Cena's <laughs> his normal self in Fast 10. Which, we can make fun of it, but was a great decision. <laughs> it was a wonderful decision, but ridiculous that he ever was the way he was in 9. Uh, <laughs> She she plays it authentically and like it works for me. And then Sandra O oh comes in and she plays that authentically and it works for me. And their chemistry, like it, it feels like that. Again, those roles should have been switched, but they were both doing something different and they both did it very well. Um, Will Ferrell very believable as the nice guy, as yep. the the fucking everyone loves him. Jason Schwartzman, great asshole. Second, he was on screen though. I was like, that's the villain from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. He's gonna be a villain, and I was right. <laughs> That's fair. Um, Tony Hell, love that. I, I look, man. It's a good ensemble cast. I like all the little performances. I like that. Uh, you know, people tried different things and it worked. I'm not gonna fucking sit here and say it's incredible or anything, but I might have 15 out of 20. I liked what everyone did. They all gave good comedic performances. Um, they all played their roles well, and I, I love me a good ensemble cast. I'm being a little harsh. I'll give it a. I, I'll give it a 14. I'll bump it up one. Talking about it, I've realized my score is a little bit too low and compared it to other movies that we've reviewed in the past. I will bump it up to a 14 because um, I, I complimented it a lot and still only gave it a 13, so that maybe didn't make a lot of sense. Um, will Ferrell specifically, I think I was questioning him playing this role, and there is a somewhat emotional scene towards the end of the movie where you know he's explaining all the people he's remembered for – the different uh, shows and whatnot. And like, it wasn't like a tearjerker or anything. I don't think it was meant to be, but it was meant to be an emotional scene. And there's a world which like, you don't take Will Ferrell seriously in this role. And you're like, dude, it's Will Ferrell. What is he talking about right now? But it, it fit. It made sense. He did his best Tom Hanks impression. He played the nice guy and it made sense. It didn't feel like Will Ferrell trying to be this TV host. It felt like a, a TV host. And I think that sometimes maybe is a problem with a comedic actor like Will Ferrell. Um, I think maybe that's why some of his best performances is when he 
doesn't look like himself. I mean, Ron Burgundy, Ricky Bobby, uh, an animated dog, and you don't see his face. Like, I think especially later in his career, you with like the Daddy's Homes and those types of movies and the Get Hards and all that, and, and Eurovision. Well, Eurovision, he plays kind of someone ridiculous. But in those movies, Will Ferrell's kind of typecasting himself, and he's he's kind of playing Will Ferrell. And those emotional scenes maybe sometimes don't hold as much weight because it's like, oh, it's Will Ferrell, ha-ha, whatever. This was different. He still looks like Will Ferrell. He wasn't, you know, dressed up like Ricky Bobby. He didn't have a mustache. He didn't have a soul patch, although that would have been hilarious. And he delivers a believable performance and didn't take away from it from being almost having too much star power, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, it doesn't – this is the first movie in a long time where I'm like, that's Will Ferrell, but it just feels like a different version of him, whereas usually it's it's just Will Ferrell. That or he's dressed up in some ridiculous outfit, you know, or not ridiculous, but he's got a mustache, so he looks different, or he's got a soul patch, or he's got an afro playing a freaking owner of an ABA team. Like, you know, I think those, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like it's it's been a long time since he's even done that. I mean, where everything here recently that he's been in, where it's like Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell is a star in it, is like he's just Will Ferrell. That's it. Like no matter what he's doing, he's just Will Ferrell. Give me the give me the fucking NASCAR uniform. Give me the the celebrity game show host. Give me that Will Ferrell. That, that Will Ferrell is great. Are we gonna have a late career Will Ferrell resurgence? I feel like there was some dark years in there. Well, there was. There was. You don't have to feel like that. There was a lot of dark years in there. I'm a, I'm a Daddy's uh, Home fan. I don't know how you feel about Daddy's Home. Good. I'm a Daddy's Home not fan. Good. Daddy's Home Two isn't great, but from I'm not gonna consider Daddy's Home as the dark age, but Get Hard's good. Do you at least like Get Hard with Kevin Hart and him? Yeah, Get Hard's pretty good. So from like 2016 to, I don't know, 2020, 2021, not a great stretch for our guy Will. I mean, he had, in terms of acting, I mean, he had he had Zoolander 2. Never saw it, but I know it wasn't received well. Daddy's Home 2, Holmes and Watson, which is one of the lowest movies we've ever reviewed. The Lego Movie 2, which is such a small role and it's animated. Uh, the Eurovision movie, which is probably his best of this stretch you know and it that's oh, yeah. kind of saying something doesn't have a movie in 2021 comes back with spirited last year which was fine i think we gave it a decent score it wasn't an amazing performance but i thought it was better and then he's pretty good in barbie and he's pretty good in this but what's the kind of trend between barbie and this he's not the lead so i don't know maybe maybe we're entering a different phase of will ferrell's career or maybe he needs to go back to the hits and make more sequels you know daytona nights f1 nights whatever you want to call it like he's trying different things and he's like you know what this is working but fuck this give me the nascar uniform baby dude i just i want it so bad ty is there is there an uh isn't monte carlo or monaco that's what i'm thinking of monaco is like the famous f1 track that i've heard of before monaco nights there it is make it happen that would be so sick yeah i I said i said knights of knights of le mans because that's like the big fucking 24-hour Le Mans. I don't think it's, like, officially um, F1, but mm. it's, like, what the fuck is this? Let me it up. No idea. I don't know. Everyone enters it. Everyone enters it. That would be nice. That would be sick. I will say, uh, n- another tangent, talking about Will Ferrell, um, Rocket League just released Lightning McQueen on, ro- on, on the game, and I'm going to spend money on it, even though I always said I was never going to spend money on on that video game. I think the only other car I'd be more excited about excited about on Rocket League would be if they dropped a Ricky Bobby NASCAR car in the game. I think besides that, Lightning McQueen's Lightning McQueen's two a two and Ricky Bobby's one a one. 
Now, if they did drop a Talladega Nights bundle and there was the Wonder Bread car and there was the Cougar Me car, which one are you going with? <sighs> I think I'm going Wonder Bread. I think it's just more iconic. I don't know. It is. No, I agree. But I just wanted to make sure we were on the same page there. <laughs> well, okay, here's another question. If they dropped them all, which one of us is Wonder Bread? Which one of us is Old Spice? Oh, in Rocket League, you get to be Wonder Bread. I'm more of an Old Spice guy in Rocket League. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, enjoyment. I can accept that. How much did you enjoy this movie, Ty? I I had a really good time with it. I, I don't, I mean, it's not one of my all-time favorites, but it's an enjoyable watch, man. It's easy to get through. It's people doing things that they don't usually do. It's fun to see Will Ferrell in that role. It's fun to see Aquafina in that role. Sandra Oh is fantastic in this fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, it's it's not a crazy good score, but for this type of Hulu original movie, it's 15 out of 20. I had a really good time with it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, a little bit lower, just based on how my scale works itself out. Um, this is subjective, of course, but it's a fun watch. It, it's something I will recommend. Uh, I... I I don't know. If, I always think of my dad when I think of recommending. I don't know why. Just because he asks me to watch movies. Like, he asks me for recommendations more than anyone else I know. I recommended Totally Killer. This is kind of how I felt about Totally Killer. He liked it. Um, I think this is a little bit better than Totally Killer. I think I enjoyed it a little bit more um, just because of the type of movie it is. And, yeah, I had a fun time. Am I going to be lining up to rewatch this? No. If it's on, if someone's watching it, will I stand there and do the dad watch and watch it a little bit? Sure. Um it's a fun movie. It's a fun, easy watch. It's not going to be a cult classic. It's not going to, like I said, not going to be an Anchorman, not going to be a Talladega Nights. But it's hard to, it's really hard to dislike a movie like this unless you're just either a movie snob or you just don't like comedies, which at that point, why are you even watching this? So I gave it a 14 out of 20. I'm one point below you. Um, and I think this is kind of reflective of the critical response of it. Like, it's not getting amazing critical response, but it's getting good enough critical response. And it's, it's, it makes sense based on the type of movie it is. You know, it's got a, a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I feel like that's the perfect number, even though we criticize Rotten Tomatoes and the scale sometimes. 79%, 84 audience. Hard to dislike this movie. It's not spectacular. Is it worth watching? I would say if you like these types of movies, yes. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the issue right now in my brain of like, would I recommend this to somebody? We've got such a stacked fucking lineup the next two months of movies. Mm-hmm. so in my brain i have to think like a year from now if i'm somewhere and they're like oh quiz lady i haven't heard of this is this good i would say yes i would say yes you should watch that a year from now and i think that's where i'm giving my score from because if i'm if there's if someone's asking me next week i'm like hey we got some other shit coming out from being honest yeah yeah that's fair that's fair and it's also it's not quite to the level of palm springs where four years later i'm still recommending that yeah, no, that's for sure. So, final score, Ty. I gave this film, for me, I believe I'm lower than you, so it should fall into this. For me, it is within the lines. It barely scratches over that bar, and that's just a testament to it being a fun watch, not a critically acclaimed, not a masterpiece in terms of how it's made, but a fun watch. I gave it a 67 out of 100, a fitting score yet again for our movie ranking scale. <laughs> it just sneaks in, baby. I'm uh, I'm a few points higher than you. I finished with a 71 out of 100, giving this a combined score of 69 out of 100, Ayo. making it the 105th movie out of 204 films we have reviewed. It is with the likes of 
dead tie. Have you looked at the scale yet? I'm on here now. I was going to ask you to guess what five movies it's tied with. Four <laughs> movies. <laughs> a lot of 69s. We, we love a good 69. It's tied with Hustle, Army of the Dead, Don't Look Up, Tom Clancy's Without Remorse, and Quiz Lady. More importantly, I think, just because of the type of movie it is, Ty, it is half a point above The Binge, another Hulu original. It is half a point yep. above Strays, which I gave Strays a higher, so that makes sense why I disagree with that a little bit. It is half a point above Strays. It is one point above No Hard Feelings. And mm-hmm. it is uh, one and a half points ahead of uh, Vacation Friends, the first one that was actually decent. So yeah. this is the range. A few it's points in. behind Eurovision. There, it is. yeah, and Eurovision's only higher because of the songs. Like that is the only reason yeah. that movie. Not saying it's a bad movie, but if that song, does, if that movie doesn't have a fucking banger of a song in it, that's right there in the sixty-eight to sixty-nine range. So, look, our scale never fails. Uh, the similar types of movies are getting bunched together, but in my head, in my brain, that just shows me that. A, we're consistent, and B, like our scale truly does show like the quality of a movie. The patent penny movie ranking scale is trying to determine the true quality of a film. That's what it does. A comedy like this yeah. is going to be in the high 60s, low 70s almost every time as long as you do it right. And guess what? That's okay. Bros, 66, also in that ballpark. Yeah. I mean, it's like for me, if I think about those movies as a whole, we're splitting hairs on what part, like which movie's better. I think all of those movies are just the same category of comedy. And it makes sense that they're, you know, like a five to 10 point range is where a bunch of them fall in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Stuber, a little bit lower. You were lower on Stuber than me. That's why I gave Stuber 70. <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, I was. Last week, Ty, we did not do a random AI generated. Uh, synopsis of a film. I'm very disappointed in myself. We yeah. went a little long. We did our draft. We had a great time doing the five draft. And I'm disappointed because I uh, I did Bugs Bunny. I don't know why I did Bugs Bunny. What movie did we review last week? I don't even remember. Oh, Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it was supposed to be because they're just animals and Bugs Bunny. And I did a funny movie. I said it was a meta movie. It was that movie. I don't even know if you've ever seen it, but it was that movie from a few years ago called The Witch. But the posters, it was like the VV itch you know and everyone mm-hmm. called it the, mm-hmm. the bitch and v being mm-hmm. five five nights at freddy's that was oh. like the meta the meta joke in there so i'm disappointed that i didn't get to do that because i just forgot last week this you week could have said it's a meta movie and done social network mm, why is that i don't oh facebook's called meta now I, yeah good one ty that was great <laughs> they should get you on the writing team for the next hulu original um <laughs> this one I'm not really doing a character. Um, I, I guess I'm just going to do my best, like, game show voice. I guess my best, uh, Alan Trebek. Alan Trebek? Why does that sound? Alex Trebek? Alex Trebek. Alex. I'll do my best Alex Alec? Trebek. Alex <laughs> Trebek? A-L-E-C. No, it is A-L-E-X. Alex Trebek. I don't really know what he sounds like, but I'll just do my best. And that's because I told ChatGPT AI to write a quote. I'll tell you what I wrote it. Uh, write a difficult, vague, Jeopardy-style clue for the movie Blank. So that is what we're going with here. Um, you motherfucker. <laughs> and d- don't forget, this is Jeopardy. So you have to, you have to what answer. What is? Yeah, yeah, thank you. <clears throat> You're welcome. Buckle up! Oh, that's not Alex Trebek. That's a little too. Buckle up. Mm. No, it's too deep. Buckle up for a visually vibrant spectacle where velocity meets neon dreams. 
as a determined driver navigates a kaleidoscopic world of racing. This 2008 film, inspired by a classic anime series, embraces the need for speed while confronting corporate machinations. Machination. Machinations? Machinations. Mm, Alec never did this. Alex, he practiced before the show. How do you say that word? Machinations? Machinations? I've never heard that fucking word. I don't know. Corporate machinations. What is the title of this high-octane cinematic experience? Uh, thanks, Alec. I'm going to go with what is Speed Racer? Final answer. Mm, that is correct. Speed That's Racer, cool. the 2008 film. Uh, I don't know why I picked Speed Racer. I just That was the first movie that popped into my head. But I'm proud of you, Ty. I was trying to think of... Well, I was. I was trying to think of like what's va- like. What is there a lot of type of movies? Is like there's a lot of racing movies. Let me think of a weird racing movie, and I thought of Speed Racer. So, have you ever actually seen the Speed Racer film? Not, not at all. But I had a feeling it came out. The 2008 saved my ass. I had a feeling it came out right around there. There's just like high octane. What did it say? Kaleidoscope. Some shit Kaleidoscopic like world. Yeah, I don't know. That made me think of just some weird ass anime inspired Speed Racer. So I got up the pronunciation for that word, but I don't know how to read like the weird letters when you pronounce something. Machination? Ma- ma- hold on. Machination. That was very loud. I apologize to the listeners. I'm going to have to bring that down. <laughs> I didn't I didn't hear it at all, so I don't know if it went through or not. It's on on the recording. Machination. Oh god. So um maybe I'll just do Jeopardy style. My one. first one here. I'll read you the first one, but it was way too easy. Um, yeah, it was literally way too easy. You could buzz in before I finish the clue, Ty. Don't forget. This okay. 2015 animated film takes you on an emotional roller coaster through the mind of an 11 year old girl named Riley, exploring the depths of joy. Um, sad- um excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> what what is Inside Out? <laughs> ding ding ding! Good job, Ty. <laughs> <laughs> Put uh, my hand on the table. <laughs> Inside Out Two. The trailer just dropped today. Also, go watch it if you haven't already, Ty. Uh, I saw that, but I haven't watched it. I'm a little worried. Inside Out 1 is like one of the best Pixar movies, in my opinion. Uh, At least the themes in it and like what they're accomplishing, you know, the Pixar story. And I'm worried they're going to fuck it up. I just hope they don't. I will say, Bill Hader not returning for the sequel. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Neither is Mindy Kaling. Yeah. Fear and Disgust, two big ones. So, I don't know. I... All right, to transition to the last part of the pod as you preview what we're doing next week, I'm worried that this Pixar movie is going to be – that it's not going to be great, that it's going to be one of the corporate Disney franchises that is turning sour and has been putting out bad film after bad film recently, which I am scared about next week's movie. Again, stealing your bit, The Marvels. Um, I was talking to Riley about this last night, Ty, and Marvel has reached a point that I think we've seen – in movies before and i think the perfect example is the animated film industry not pixar slash disney go back like 10 15 years and animated studios kept pushing out like bad sequels like shrek 3 and shrek 4 i'm sorry i don't like those shreks i think they're bad i think shrek 2 is great (laughs) um you know kung fu panda did you see there was a shrek 5 leak yes i did this is actually what sparked the conversation um and it's probably gonna be really (laughs) good you know, Kung Fu Panda, like, two and three, I think, were really bad, or two was really bad, and then three came out later and was really good. Like, 
there was this time where they kept making bad animated sequels. Uh, there was obviously the, the straight to DVD back in the day when they did like the Little Mermaid 2 and all those types, you know, in the early 2000s. But a lot of these studios were like Cars 2, for example. That's actually Pixar. Bad animated movies. They were just relying on the IP. And then they realized, I feel like there was a turning point where they're like, hey, we actually need to make these good. Like the technology is way <laughs> up to date. People aren't going to come just to see the newest example of technology. And, you know, I think even non-animated movies, we get like Journey to the Center of the Earth 2 and just like these weird sequels. And I think the animation industry has has now flipped. It's come full circle. I think Pixar milked it with, you know, Incredibles 2 and Finding Dory. And now we get sequels, though, that are actually pretty good, like Puss in Boots. I mean, sequel slash spinoff. Puss in Boots was like really, really good, like way better than it had any right yeah. being. And anytime I feel like these animated studios are making sequels or making spinoffs, they're actually pretty good because they're not just – hey, let's use this IP and flex our technology. It's like, we have to make a good film. I think we're in that period of Marvel movies. We're in the period where the animated studios are making these bad sequels, capitalizing on the IP, and not focusing on the individual movie, but are focusing on the franchise. And I just, I know Marvel can do good stuff still. I've watched Loki the last five weeks, and it's just... The last few movies outside of Guardians, which is its own standalone thing, which is why it's frustrating because James Gunn kind of had his own vision. And that shows that when you focus on the individual story and not make the Marvels or Ant-Man and the Wasp or freaking Thor 4, which was kind of supposed to be its own story. But when you make them their own stories and not just a bigger part, a small part of a bigger story, like they could still be good. And I'm just I think we're in that phase of Marvel movies, Ty, and it makes me a little sad. Yeah, I mean, them cutting back on production and, and trying to pump out better stuff, seeing that they're, like, focusing on that now. Um, I hope that we're headed past that era, but you're not wrong. It's like, let's just make – their idea is to make, like, a – I'll just say, like, an Iron Man movie and not, like, a good movie starring Iron Man. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and – Because it's, so it's so much better when you tell good stories with known IP – and these characters that you've connected with, but you have like a, a cool story you want to tell. And then you use those characters to tell that story rather than, rather than using the characters as the main thing. And it, it, it can be done so much better. It's really a bummer. Yeah. And I, I think you nailed the head, the, you nailed it with the Ant-Man. That was supposed to be a fantastic four movie. And the initial reviews for the Marvels aren't great. And like Disney's getting desperate. Marvel's getting desperate. Like the last trailer they released that had, callbacks to infinity war and multiversal stuff and there was just this so happened leak of where there was an x-men logo on something and you know I, I i don't believe those things are total leaks i think those things are done on purpose by the studio that make them seem like a leak to try to get interest and i don't know man like we'll talk about it next week obviously when we actually see the film but it's like when are we going to get out of this they're talking about bringing back freaking robert downey jr and you know Scarlett Johansson and whoever for like Secret Wars, which I get it. It's a multiverse. There's theoretically millions of Iron Mans and there's millions of Tony Starks and you can have him come back and it's a, a different person, but it's the same actor. But like, I, I don't want to see that. I just like that was Infinity War and Endgame had consequence and that's what made it such a great thing. And like they're entering a phase where like it's it's bloating a little too quickly and we'll see what happens. And are they going to completely reset it? Are they going to? I don't know. I really don't know, Ty. Yeah, I, I'm. If they do bring them back, don't make them the main part of the story. 
make it like holy shit that's him but don't like use him as a way to to make your movie because it's gonna be shit and everyone's gonna hate it yeah and like i don't know how like realistic kevin feige and the marvel people are do they know like uh, are they actually thinking like man you know, box office numbers are down. People aren't liking our movies because their familiar faces are gone. Because RDJ is gone. Because Chris Evans is gone. Because Scarlett Johansson is gone. Because that's not why. That's not why audiences are turning on these movies. It's because they haven't been that good. So, like, where? I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. Maybe the Marvels is good. Maybe critics are hating on it too much. Maybe it's it's spun where now it's fun to hate on Marvel and not fun to say it's good. And everyone's going to hate on it. It's going to be a fun watch. And obviously, like I said, Loki's been phenomenal. But... We know the studio can do good things, so like let's hopefully see a good thing next week with the Marvels, you know? Yeah. No, I'm I mean, if you give me a good Loki finale, give me a good movie. I'm back I'm I'm buying back in. I'm a little bit higher on this Marvel stuff. But we'll see how the movie goes. Before you sign us off, Ty, why don't you give me a prediction? Does the Marvels finish with a higher or lower consensus score than today's movie Quiz Lady at a sixty seven? Lower. That's so easy. You think lower? Yeah, 100%. I I think, for one, it's Captain Marvel, which is like the lowest rated Marvel movie to begin with. Well, there's some baggage with that, but yeah. A million percent, but uh, I mean, there's just a group of the internet who hates that fucking movie for some reason. It's not great, but it's fine. But, um, and it's Marvel and just the way that Marvel is right now. Like, they hated that movie before it was cool to hate on Marvel. Like, that was when Marvel was peak, and people hated Captain Marvel. So now that it's, like, fun to shit on Marvel, people are going to have a field day blowing this movie up no matter what. Well, I'm talking about our scores. You think it's still going to be lower? Oh, our scores. Yes. Ours is, will our consensus score be above or below 67? I'm thinking below. This was, but... ranked 105. We gave this a... 67. 69. Oh, 69, excuse me. You're right. So can this movie break 70? He's thinking. He's thinking long I'm going to say it does. I'm going to say it does. <laughs> Tyler's going to come in next week with a 98 just to say he's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to carry this. Yeah, I don't know, man. I hope the sequel could be fun. I think the, the Miss Marvel character, if they do it right, can be a lot of fun as like the fan who's actually like interacting with the superheroes and um, I don't know. It seems like a cool concept. I just hope they don't fuck it up. Like them, whenever they use their powers, they jump around in fucking space and time. And we get Nick Fury. Nick Fury's cool. I hope they don't fuck it up. I'm gonna say yeah. We always give some stuff Marvel bumps. All right, there you have it. The Marvels next week will have above a 69 consensus. We'll see. I'm seeing it tonight. Uh, I will text you some feedback without spoiling it, of course. Um, my girl Brie Larson's in it, so that's obviously gonna give it a bump. Also. Last recommendation before the pod's over. Lessons in Chemistry, Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, she is the starring role. She is acting her ass off in it. She's probably going to get nominated for an Emmy for that show. I highly recommend that you and Victoria watch it or anyone listening to this go watch Lessons in Chemistry on Apple TV+. Plus. It is a great show. Love that. I love a good recommend, Jay. I won't watch it, but I love a good recommend. <laughs> you know, you'll watch it in six months. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> After I right. tell you ten times. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But um, go watch the Marvels. Go, go, go see it in IMAX since uh, since we lost Dune and Dune isn't coming out on IMAX. Go yeah. see it in my IMAX. In the meantime, 
Be a good friend, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>